Hey, good morning, beautiful people. Welcome to Grace again. My name is Jesse, and I, it's a joy to be one of the pastors of our church community. I love our church. I love being a pastor of our church. And if you're, if you're new to Grace and new to this community, I want you to know that you can become a part of this amazing community. You can belong here, become a critical part, a vibrant part of this church community. Uh, I've been a pastor here for almost 10 years, and since the beginning, I started gathering groups of guys together that I call my discipleship group. And uh, it's not a connect group, it's not a part of my job description, it's just a part of, you know, what God's called me to do. And about seven years ago, I brought uh, this group of guys up to Yosemite. And I booked, I got the campground reservation, which if you know anything about getting one of those, it's super hard to get, but I got it. And uh, made all the plans, and we got up and we were there. But the, the destination was not the Yosemite Valley, the destination was going to the top. Half Dome, if you know what I'm talking about. And so that was the goal. That was the destination. I've been up there. I've been to Half Dome many, many, many times. And I was so excited to, to get my group up there. And so we, we start the hike, and we're almost eight miles up. And we're right before the cables, but there was a snag in the plan. You see, we tried to get a permit to get to the top of Half Dome months and months ahead of time, but we couldn't get a permit. So the day before, we went to the permit office, couldn't get a permit. But you know what? I was not going to stop. I wanted to get us to the top. And so I came up with a plan B. I'm not proud of plan B, but it happened, and I'm just going to be honest with you. Our plan was to leave a lot later than what people usually do to try and get up there as the rangers coming down the hill and hopefully get past. But the other part of plan B, which I'm really not proud of, but it's true, is I asked someone that was coming down the hill from Half Dome if I could borrow their permit. You know where I'm going with this, somebody out there. And, and, and like as we're going up, if the ranger asks, I'd be like, oh yeah, we have a permit. So that is what happened. Now someone from the group is more holy than I. And he said, hey Jesse, if the ranger asked me, I'm not going to lie. And I'm like, bro, I respect that. I totally, of course. And so we're, we're on our way up and I'm in front of the group and they're kind of like straggling back. And I see the ranger coming down the hill. We're like almost to the cables, like at the top almost. And I'm like, yeah, we got a permit. And she's like, okay. And so we just keep going. And she asked my buddy behind me and he did not lie. And he said, we do not have a permit. And she said, if you go up there and we find out it's thousands of dollars in fines, you cannot go up there. And so we, we got, got together and we're like right there. And I could see the cables and we decided that we would not make it to the top. Now, don't judge me. I'm not proud of that story. The reason I even bring up this story is because every leader, every Christian leader has to answer three questions in the people that they're leading. Number one, do you know the destination of where you're going? For us, it was Half Dome. Number two, do you know how to get there? Do you, did you get, make the campground reservation? Do you have like a camel pack? Uh, do you have the right shoes on? To, do you know the, the route and the journey to get there? Do you know the, the way? Do you have a permit? No, I didn't have the permit. And then number three, not only do you know the way, but will you love people along the way? And not put them in awkward situations where they have to lie to rangers. Uh, it's such an awful story, uh, a hard story to share, but... Um, Grace Church, I share that because Grace Church, we have a destination. And it's captured in a very short, simple 
phrase. Now, you probably know our, uh, our vision statement. We share it every Sunday that this is a safe place for imperfect people to grow. That's like the vision of our church. But did you know that we have a mission statement? You may not even know what it is. It's this, that we want people to find Christ and to become mature followers. You see the chart on the gra- the, behind me there, that line? You see, we want you to, 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 to find Jesus. And it's just you and him. You don't need other people. It's just you and Jesus. You find Christ. And then you mature by gaining knowledge, right? Your head just kind of gets puffed up with information and knowledge about God. And we want you to be like perfect and righteous so that you can actually keep going up and up in your perfection in self-righteousness. So you could just tell God, God, look how great I am for you. And from that place, that high place, you can look down on people. Crystal, you know where I'm going. You can look down on people and feel so bad that the limited knowledge that they know about the awesome God that we serve. And you can, we can judge them and feel bad for them because of the sin and the brokenness in their life. That is what we, our mission for you here at Grace Church. No, it's not. <laughs> One of our elders just said, what? Uh, no. That is not a, a more accurate picture of how we, the mission of our church is more like a, a, a cycle. Is it on there? Oh, there it is. Okay, it's not there. Sorry. I'm looking at that screen. Uh, we want you, we are passionate about people finding Christ, put, believing in Jesus for who he is as the son of God, putting your faith in him, turning your life in repentance towards him, receiving the gift of eternal life, a gift that is way beyond what we could ever imagine or deserve, but even more than that, that the story of God, that you enter in, your story begins to enter into God's story, and you see your purpose in light of the kingdom of God, that you find Christ. And then becoming mature followers means that you're journeying with other people here at Grace Church in relationship, growing into what it means to to look like Jesus, and that that the, the pattern, the end, is that you go back to the beginning. Your maturity in Christ is that you go back to the beginning with others who are beginning their relationship with Jesus and you journey together and we never get tired of going back to the beginning. Another way to to kind of capture this is evangelism and discipleship. Boom. Okay, Uh, evangelism and discipleship that these words may not be something that you like if, you know, if you're unfamiliar with church or whatever, but I love these words because I believe Jesus loved these words. You see, the word evangelism in Greek, uh, the New Testament was written in Greek, is, comes from the word euangelion, which means the bringer of good news. And we love that we get to bring good news to people, the saving grace, the love of God for people. We want people to find Christ. And then uh, the work of discipleship is once they find Christ, they grow into relationship with him. Not in some dingy classroom where you're like, there's a PowerPoint and you're like, okay, I'm going to, no. It's like the school of life with other people, community that is pointed towards the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, Let me move my notes here. If you are, you know, I know there's people here today who are skeptical of Jesus and the Bible and church, and for good reason. Man, often we get God wrong. And I want you to know this is truly a safe place. I pray the safest place in San Diego for you to question God and doubt God and wrestle with 
who God is. You can become a part of this church and not even believe what we believe. You can belong here and experience God and get to know more of who God is. And I do pray that you come to know God and believe in him. You are valued here. There, we've been focusing in this series on the Great Commission. The Great Commission is this command that Jesus gives to his followers. And I love the Great Commission because I believe it, it affirms our mission, the mission of Grace Church. And um, it's the final words of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew wrote kind of the story of Jesus and his life. And at the very end, Jesus gives this command to all of his followers. Now, if you've been here the last few weeks, you know we've been memorizing the Great Commission, right? Matthew 28, 19, and 20. So if you feel comfortable, I'm going to ask you, if you've memorized it, to join me in closing your eyes. If you don't know judgment, you open your eyes. It's going to be on the screen. Let's say it together on the count of three. These are the words of Jesus. All authority in heaven on earth. You can say it out loud if you feel comfortable. Ready? Let's try it again. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything that I have commanded you, and I will be with you to the very end of the age. I know I forgot some words in there. Don't judge me. It's my own kind of, my own version. (laughs) That's how it was written on my heart. But I pray that did I, what did I miss? I missed some things. That's okay. I pray that that Jesus' great commission, that command, is just written on the tablet of your heart and shapes your thoughts and your imagination for the rest of your life. This command from Jesus is, is something that he just assumed. He really assumed that all followers of him would be doing this. But man, today, don't we struggle Don't we struggle to actually do this? There's a man named the Apostle Paul who put this teaching to heart. You see, on his second missionary journey around the area of Asia Minor, he he found a guy named Timothy. And Timothy was in love with God, and Paul's like, hey, I want you to come with me on these journeys. And so they journeyed together, and he watched how Paul was kind of planting churches. And eventually, Paul said, hey, Timothy, I want you to become a pastor of a church in this city called Ephesus. Years, so he's pastoring, and years later, Paul is in a Roman prison. And he knows that he's about to be martyred, killed for his faith in Jesus. And 2 Timothy, this, this epistle to Timothy, and Paul has written a number of, a lot of the New Testament was written by Paul, a lot of the epistles. But this one is his last final charge to Timothy. I mean, like, his final words before he knows he's about to die. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, Paul says, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men. Now, see, I have in brackets there men and women. And if you look in your Bible, you'll see a little letter there with a thing down below. It says men and women because this is a plural uh, third person where it's like, when I say, hey guys, how's it going? But I'm talking to like men and women. It's kind of like that. Uh, you see it down in your footnote. Check it out if you got your Bible. If not, I don't judge you. I put it there for you. Um, but to faithful men and, men and women who will be able to teach others. Now, one of the things that I love about this verse is if you notice, there's four generations of Jesus followers in here. The first generation is the Apostle Paul, who had this amazing experience with Jesus and gives his life to Christ and then goes and finds Timothy and says, hey, Timothy, come follow me. 
and he trains them and teaches them what it means to follow Jesus. And then he, said, and then he has this church, and he says, uh, entrust this to faithful men and women. So develop people in your church. That's the third generation who will then what? Be able to teach others. You see, Paul has this long-term vision of people, disciples who are making disciples, who are making disciples. It's not just teach these people, but teach people who will then teach people. This series is called Chain Reaction, and we've, we're closing this series, but we've looked at how Jesus took ordinary people and trained them and showed them and empowered them to become disciple makers. From the start, God's plan is for every follower of Christ to make disciples until the gospel goes into all nations to reach all people. And this series was designed to teach you and tr- how to do it and hopefully by God's grace, maybe, uh, motivate you to actually do it. So uh, a few weeks ago, I started the series with this concept that Jesus gathered people together who were fat. Remember that? Jesus gathered together people who were fat, this small group of people who were fat. And that's an acronym, Faithful, Available, Teachable. For those that are new, you're like, thank you. Faithful, Available, Teachable. Jesus gathered Faithful, available, teachable people together. And then the next week, we saw Pastor Dan talked about how it was the in-between moments where discipleship happened, right? You have the real of like Jesus healing people and teaching people and all these highlight moments. But then we have like a verse where it says they went from here to here and it was like a 70-mile hike where they're camping along the way. And they're in this, getting this boat. And I mean, they're just, those in-between moments, we don't know what happened, but man, that's where the good stuff happens. That's where the discipleship happens and how we have church and we have small groups and all of these official things, but it's in between those moments where, where family and relationships and connection and discipleship happens. And then last week, Pastor Scott talked about intentional influence and how we intentionally influence each other towards Christ in those in between moments. We've used chain reaction, this image, like dominoes, like one hits the next, hits the next. You remember the video, the Dude Perfect video that I shared? Epic, right? So like one thing affects the next, which is cool. But there's another way to understand this concept of chain reaction. And it's exponential growth. It's exponential expansion. And uh, not just addition and not just multiplication. But I was talking to John Ray, who is our, who's our bass player. He's a, a, a high school physics teacher. And he was sharing with me some different ways that exponential growth happens through molecules and different things like the butterfly effect. But there's one that he shared with me called, it has to do with a ping pong ball and a mouse trap. But there's a cool video of this exponential kind of growth. Check it out.
Man, that movie just, or that video just makes me want to move a little bit. Uh, but I love the image of like the one ping pong ball just hitting a few more ping pong balls. And each one of those balls has a role to play in the exponential growth. And, you know, maybe in geometry class, you remember the, the parable, the parabolic growth that just starts out like this, but just takes off, right? And in some ways, this exponential growth that Jesus t- uh, modeled and teaches is, happens very quickly, But in other ways, it actually happens truly more slowly in actual practice. So um, let's go back to the hiking analogy. I haven't brought my four kids up to Half Dome yet, but you better believe we're campers, we're hikers, all that kind of stuff. As soon as they're old enough, I'm bringing my four kids to Half Dome if they are willing to come. I'm making Half Dome disciples. And as soon as, and I imagine they have four kids, and they bring their four kids, and that's going to be a long time, but they, that's 16 disciples of Half Dome. And imagine they, the next generation, the third generation has four more kids each. It's not just 16 more, that's 64. And imagine a fourth generation, it actually goes to, I did the math, I needed a calculator, 256. It, it becomes this exponential growth when we invest into a few over a long period of time. You see, this is the master's plan of how to transform, reach, and save the world. Are you ready to say yes to Jesus' commission, to his command, to his teaching, to, to actually put it in your heart, not just to know, but to embody and to live out. Imagine if all of us, that's a part of Grace Church and you who are going to become a part of our church, if we all said yes, imagine the kind of maturity and health and growth and vibrancy we could be as a church if we said yes. I mean, it gets me so excited. It gets me so excited. He says, uh, Paul says, entrust to faithful people, right? people that are faithful, available, and teachable. You see, I believe that we're, this isn't going to happen as we currently are. Things are going to have to change. Number one, we got to be faithful. You know, we live in a society and a culture that says we're going to show up and we don't show up. We did a whole series outside about ghosting because it's just prevalent. We ghost each other. But God is saying, man, be faithful to, to showing up and make yourself available I know you're busy, I'm busy too. But when God puts this value in your heart, you you shift things around and make yourself available to what God is calling you to. And then number three, teachable. You You come humbly, you come ready to just grow. You're hungry for more of God. You do not want to stay the same. When I first joined Grace Church, I, I would, I, my wife and I, we had our one son. It was about 11 years ago. We lived in the neighborhood in Hillcrest, and we just came to Grace just to go to church here. Never thought I'd be a pastor here or work here at all. But the first ministry that I joined was the prayer partner team. And Dana Dimitri at the time was the staff who oversaw the team, and she did prayer partner training. And I'll never forget one of the things that she said to me. She said, Jesse, I want you to multiply yourself on prayer partner team. I'll never forget her saying that. It's stuck in my heart. And since then, 11 years later, I still oversee prayer partner team. 
here at this, at this church. And I've had the joy of being able to multiply the movement of prayer as praying for people, ministering to people, Sunday services, the prayer wall, different places, and fueling prayer at this church. It's been a joy. And our most recent prayer partner, Jalen, she's 19 years old, going to get baptized in this service. She's like, Jesse, I want, isn't that awesome? She's like, Jesse, I want to join the prayer partner team. And I'm like, okay, let's do this. I used to work with freshmen in the dorms at UCSC for years. And I love it when teenagers believe that God can use them. Absolutely. Love what God's doing in your life. I've been able to be part of multiplying that ministry. You see, there's two places at Grace Church where you can find people, two official places that are, find people who are fat. Number one is on a ministry team. We get each other now with that, so I'll just use it. Uh, so for example, you're on production team or you're in the kids ministry and you're a leader or volunteer you know, with Kim, our kids director. And one of the ways you can make disciples of fat people is you look for people in, the, in other volunteers and leaders in that group, in the team, and just say, hey, let's meet up for coffee. And let's meet up for coffee again and keep meeting and grow deeper in our relationship with Christ. Let's mature. And as we mature, guess what's going to happen to the kids' ministry? It gets stronger and healthier and more Christ, like the, the aroma of Christ. And the kids get to be discipled by more people people that are more deeply committed to Jesus. I mean, do you see how that can happen? That's number one. Any of the ministry teams, we got a bunch. Number two is in a connect group. You can be a connect group leader or you can just be a part of a group and you find people who are hungry for more of God and you say, hey, this is official, but let's go to the in-between moments and go deeper together. Those are your two places to find them. Investing in a few over a long period who then will do likewise is how you and I will be a part of changing the world for the kingdom of God. Let's go back to the hiking metaphor and analogy. You know, we need our destination. We know what that is, but we have to have the way. We need to know the way to get there. Get your tent, get your camel pack, get your permit. I know, I learned for next time. But there's three elements a part of everyday disciple making. It's you gotta have the tools, a plan, and a process. Last week, when it comes to the tools, uh, Scott shared about rap. Watch the, the Bible Project videos, the Luke and Acts videos. They're short videos that teach you about what um, a few chapters in Luke, and it goes through the entire Luke and Acts. So you watch the video together, and then you um, read the scriptures that it's, that it's going over. That's the R part. And then you ask three questions. What's happening in the story? What's the significance of, hap- of what's happening in the story? And how do we apply it to our lives? Three simple questions. And then number f- the fourth thing is you just pray for each other. That's one free tool that we believe will bless you and strengthen you in your discipleship groups at, as far as Bible study. Number two is right now media. The church pays a couple hundred bucks a month. As uh, this, It's like Netflix. It's the biggest library of Christian videos and teaching and education on everything that you can imagine. It's there. And it's a free resource for people at Grace Church. You go to gracesd.com slash right now media, create your account for free, and you can, that's another tool. The second thing you need is a plan. You need to gather people together, which takes a lot of work. I get that. 
And then you got to put the tools into practice. And then you got to, like, communicate with each other. Like, I have a group text. And as people come and go, I change the group text. But that's how we communicate. You get a group text, right? Right? You got to communicate with each other somehow, right? So that's kind of your plan. And then the process, be patient with each other. Man, was Jesus patient with his disciples? Absolutely. Thank you, Lord, that the honesty of the, of the disciples and their struggles and Jesus' patience with them, the coaching of them in the process, we need to love each other along the way. Just a few other things that I've learned in the process of the art and science of making disciples. Number one, be clear about your intentions. Say, hey, this is not your small group. This is, not, this is designed for us to grow deeper so that we can go and and strengthen the church and grow the church and bless the church. Be, I've, the guys in my discipleship group, I say that, hey, this is not your small group. I want you to go out into different ministries and strengthen and strengthen the church. Be clear about your intentions. Maybe yours will be different. Number two, vision leaks. Vision is like the water in a bucket. You're the bucket, and we all have a hole in the bottom of our bucket, and we forget why we're there, and we get, we get discouraged, and right? And the vision of what we're doing leaks out of us, and so you need to communicate the vision and the purpose over and over and over again to your group to help the fire of God continue to remain stoked in their heart, because it will grow, grow cold. So continue to communicate why, the vision of why you're gathering. Now, if someone asks you, what gives you the right to make disciples? What qualifies you to teach people about Jesus? What, how can you baptize people? What gives you the right to do that? You make sure you remember this. You look them in the eye and you say, Jesus. Jesus gives me the right. You see, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus, and he has called us and given us this commission and given us this authority and given us this purpose in life. And so you can step into this work. I know you're broken. I know we're screwed up. I know we have issues. I get it. I do too. But God has given us this call and this authority, and so you can look people in the eye and say, Jesus. And if you just hear God speak into your heart right now, saying, yeah, I... I want to say yes to your commission, Jesus, and put this in my heart. I want this to affect me and other people around me. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Jesus, your commission is that all authority in heaven has been given to you, and you have given it to us, God. And I pray that we would say yes to you, Jesus, that we would enter into the true narrative and story God, your epic story, God, and we would say yes to you. It's not just our story or the stories other people tell us, but your story, God. Pour into us your presence and your spirit and your plan and your authority, God. We, we confess that we are nobody. We are not worthy, God, but you have called us and you delight to call us, and that is a demonstration of your grace that we get to testify to the rest of the world, God. It's not us, it's you in us. So God, we say yes to your calling and to your authority. And I imagine if each one of us said yes and we found a few from this church and we began to 
to intentionally gather and pour into one another. What kind of beautiful, vibrant church and community and spiritual family we would be, God. I, I get, it gets me so excited. And Lord, put it in our hearts and may we say yes to you, Jesus. May you unleash, as we close out this series, truly unleash a chain reaction. God, may we see ourselves as that ping pong ball just getting launched by you, God, to kind of run into an impact and, and, and gather a few other ping pong balls and God, release it in our church. We ask that we, that we would be a part of this, God. And for anyone who has never said yes to you, Jesus, you're not a Christian, you're, you don't follow God, but you, right now in your heart, want to say yes to Jesus for the first time or it's been a long time. God loves you. He doesn't care what you've been through or what you've done. He knows it all. He wants to forgive you of all of your sin. He's earned that right. He has the authority to forgive you because of his work on the cross and his resurrection. And so you can say, Jesus, I believe in you. Forgive me. Come into my life. I follow you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.